Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the globe, bringing you news, views and current affairs for the LGBT community, this is the World Wide Wave. Good evening and welcome to 2023 on World Wide Wave, Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe, one queer story at a time. Good evening, Andrew. Hi, everybody. And welcome back, Stefan. Hello. Transgender people in Scotland have campaigned for six years to be able to legally change their identity. But the excitement of the laws passing the Scottish Parliament were quickly shattered when the English government signalled it will enact a rarely used law to block the change. Trans people are now at the heart of a constitutional fight in the UK. Before the fight gets caught up in politics, we bring to you a personal view on the genuine outcomes that this law can deliver for Scotland's trans community. We're joined by Florence Olds, the Trans Policy and Public Affairs Officer from Equality Network Scotland. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. There were rumours immediately after, say, and but I think we felt like there was not a, legal, a strong legal basis for it. As this doesn't really change anything but the process, it's hard to imagine how they could come up with a strong legal argument that it would have a big impact. And quite often, even though we have you know, a very soft border between England and Scotland, we do have different legislation on certain things. And that's not really been a problem in the past, or if it has been, the UK government has worked constructively on this. The Gender Recognition Reform Bill in Scotland was framed as a landmark transformation. It would give trans people the right to change their identity legally from 16 years old, and to do so without a psychiatric diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Although it passed the Parliament convincingly by 86 to 39, it can't be seen as an easy victory, rather the climax of a six-year fight. Florence Olds, the Trans Policy and Public Affairs Officer from Equality Network Scotland, joined us to explain how the law came to pass the Scottish Parliament. Just before Christmas, the Scottish Parliament passed the Gender Recognition Reform Bill. And what this does is it improves a pre-existing process we have in the UK and have had since 2004 that allows trans people to change their legal sex. And they do this by changing the, the sex on their birth certificate so it matches how they live their life. So this has been in place for about 18 years and it actually came into effect after a woman called Christine Goodwin, a trans woman, won a legal case against the UK government in the European Court of Human Rights, which found that it was against her human rights to not be able to change her documents to reflect her life because it was a privacy issue. And so we've had this law since 2004. It was at the time quite a big deal. It was one of the first laws of its kind that didn't require 
people changing their legal sex to be sterilized. So that was that was exciting. But unfortunately, in the sort of 18 years since it's been passed, very few trans people in the UK have actually been able to access this legal recognition. I think it's about 5,000 people, which is very small if you compare it to what we expect about like one, slightly less than 1% of the population of the UK, which has millions of people in it, are trans. So that would only be a very small number of people. And one of the reasons for this uh, is that it is very hard. The actual process of obtaining one is very difficult. You have to get a psychiatric diagnosis of gender dysphoria, which either is, is quite hard at the minute in the UK because you have to go through our public healthcare system, which is there's a lot of backlogs for care for trans people. So it can take years before you get to the doctor who can diagnose you. And also lots of trans people don't want to be diagnosed with what can still be classed as a mental uh, condition. People say, you know, it's not mental illness, it's just who I am. And then also you need to provide like two years uh, evidence showing that you've been living in your gender. Um, so that would be things like you've changed your ID documents, bills in your new name, things like that. Uh, yeah, it's just, just a big headache. Uh, you have to submit loads of forms and there's this panel, you never meet you and, it, and they get to decide if you're really trans enough to be legally recognized. So people have been saying for a long time, that's pretty rubbish. We don't like this. So in Scotland, um, at least, well, in Scotland, we have our own government separate from the UK government. And there are some areas that that government can legislate on called devolved areas. And there's some areas that are reserved to the UK government. So it was, I, I believe the Scottish government realized that it could legislate on this because it affects Scottish birth certificates, which is something that's devolved to them. And so about six years ago, the Scottish government uh, of the time started looking into this and seeing if they could reform this process to make it easier for trans people. And already places like Argentina and Norway had, had done this change. They'd moved to a system called self-declaration or self-identification, where instead of having all these checks and balances, you just say, why don't we listen to trans people? And if they say, I'm a woman, I'm a man, we go, great, <laughs> recognize that. And that's generally the position that is held <clears throat> within the trans community. Uh, we're, you know, we're the experts on ourselves, um, but also lots of like worldwide bodies like the World Health Organization, the UN, the Council of Europe, they all recognize that this is the right way to go about things. So about six years ago, this process started, the Scottish government put out a public consultation. They invited anyone from Scotland to give their opinion what would you think if the law changed? And I believe generally people are like, sounds great, wouldn't have any effect on me. Most, most people were, were on board with it. But unfortunately, this was in 2015, 2016. This is when we started to get more pushbacks against trans rights. We start to see the growth of what you now call the gender critical movement in the UK. So there was a bit of public backlash. And there was another public consultation, which was not as well received. But uh, the government decided it's the right thing to do. Lots of improvements to equalities in the past have not had public support, like when we got uh, equal marriage, when we repealed Section 28 in the UK, those things were not publicly supported, but we did them anyway. And we now recognise it was definitely the right thing to do. But then, fortunately, COVID happened, and this was all put on hold while Scotland dealt with that. So now, last year, finally comes to a time when the Scottish government has said, let's do this, let's put this reform through Let's go from a, a very complicated system where you have to provide a load of evidence and let's make it much simpler. People can just declare on a form, this is what my legal gender is. We'll, you'll also have to swear uh, an oath, a legal oath, which you can do in Scotland, that says I, I am a man or a woman and I intend to be so for the rest of my life. Um, and there is a criminal charge if you're found to have lied under that oath. So it is a very serious 
legal proceeding that you would still have to go through. Um, and this then went through the Scottish Parliament. We had about nine months of consultation, lots of people speaking for and against, lots of amendments from MSPs, big debates in our, in our Parliament. Um, and at the end of all this, the majority of our Scottish politicians voted in favour of the bill. They decided it's the right thing to do for the small trans community in Scotland to make it easier for us to be recognised for who we are. Um, and even though this had political consensus across the different parties, we have, I think, five major parties in the Scottish political system, and there was representatives from all of them voted for this bill. Um, so this was finished just before Christmas. And as soon as it was voted on and approved, um, there was rumours that it was going to be blocked by the UK government. And as of, I believe, last Monday or Tuesday, that is what they have done. Um, so for a Scottish law to come into power, it has to have royal assent uh, from the king. And the, what the UK government has done is blocked the bill from getting to, to royal assent. So it's sort of in an intermediary period where it's passed our parliament, but it hasn't quite gone through. And so the reasons that they have claimed for doing that are that it is legislating on an area of, of law that is reserved to the UK government. So our equalities law and discrimination law is all reserved. The Scottish government would argue that this doesn't affect that. It doesn't affect um, discrimination cases. It doesn't protect affect anyone's legal rights. It just simply allows trans people to be recognised for who they are. And the UK government has also argued that it will have an adverse effect on their ability to carry out their equalities law for things like single-sex spaces. And that's been a big argument that's been lobbied against this bill, is that it will make it easier for predatory men to get into single-sex spaces, like women's spaces, but also like rape crisis shelters and women's shelters and things like that. And of course, it doesn't do that. You don't use your birth certificate to get into a toilet or a single-sex space because that wouldn't really work because uh, it doesn't have a picture of you on there because if it did, you'd be a baby. wouldn't be very helpful. But it just... Uh, and also, lots of uh, women's shelters and women's organisations in Scotland have come out in support of the bill and said... We've been supporting trans people for years. We've never had any of these incidents. To put it quite frankly, if predatory men want to abuse vulnerable women, they don't have to pretend to be women to do so. They don't have to legally change parts of their identity to do so. And the idea that they would is a real misunderstanding of how very real violence against women takes place. It's, this has been a, a very big blow to trans people in Scotland but also to the power of Scotland and Scot Scottish Parliament to legislate, as this is this kind of block has never been done before. And it's very much a case of Scotland has been very public about this law. It's been working on it for like six years. There's been loads of time for the UK government to say, we're actually not very happy with this. Can you change this? This doesn't work. This will be encroaching on our the areas of law that we can legislate in. And they have not done any of that. They've barely engaged. They've come in at the last minute and said, no, you can't have this because things would be too good for trans people. Um, so it's it's incredibly disappointing. That's Florence Olds, the Trans Policy and Public Affairs Officer from the Equality Network Scotland, with us on Joy 94.9. And coming up, Florence tells us how the news of Westminster's intervention was received in Scotland. This is World Wide Wave. Love radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Take us with you anywhere. Hi, my name is Kenneth. I'm from LGBT Denmark. You're hearing me on the worldwide wave. 
we are back for the year. It is very exciting. We love hearing your messages. It's midsummer time, of course. Now, Joy's been already out and about at Midsummer Carnival. Uh, perhaps you're heading off to some special midsummer events that you are looking forward to. Are you coming along to the Pride March here out the front of the Pride Centre uh, this coming uh, Sunday? Sunday week, I think it is. And then there's also the Victoria's Pride Northside um, on the sort of the Gertrude and Smith Street area uh, to finish off the Midsummer Carnival. There's heaps of events. There's like 200 events to go to. So um, let us know what you're going to, or if you've been to one, give us a review. But in the meantime, we are back to Scotland. And not long after the gender recognition reform bill bill passed the Scottish Parliament, rumours began to spread that Westminster would make a rare intervention to prevent this specific Scottish bill from becoming law. Given the current Conservative government's previous statement about trans rights and those specifically made by the successive recent Prime Minister, there was a strong chance these might become a reality. And with relationships already strained over Scottish independence, a fight was brewing. Despite the rumours, we asked Florence Old from the Equality Network Scotland if this intervention came as a shock to them. You said that there were rumours that this might happen. How strong mm-hmm. were those rumours? Like, was was it kind of like this is a possibility, but it probably won't happen? Like, were you guys shocked when it actually when the government actually stopped the bill? Yeah, I, th- I think we were, there were rumours immediately after, say, um, but I think we felt like there was not a, legal, a strong legal basis for it um, because it's the when the what the reform would do is it would change the process for getting the gender recognition certificate, which is what you use to change the the sex on your birth certificate. It wouldn't change the impact of having one. So in theory, if you had a trans person in Scotland who'd got one via the new system where they just have to have lived in their gender for three months and they swear this under an oath, and it's basically filling out a form, it's more administrative. And if you have a trans person who went through the the current system in England where you have to submit all this evidence and get the diagnosis and wait months for it to be judged on by a panel, in theory, even though they arrived at it from different systems, the effect of having a... Uh, a gender recognition certificate would be the same. Um, and that still means, uh, it, what it means is you should be treated like legally as the the sex that you identify as in, in all purposes. Um, but you can still be, say, excluded from a single sex service if that's judged to be appropriate. So if even, even if you're a trans person with or without this legal recognition, you can still be excluded from, say, a women's shelter if they feel like that's an appropriate thing to do, and they can still sort of provide reasonable support for you in another way. Um, so we kind of thought that as this doesn't really change anything but the process, it's hard to imagine how they could come up with a strong legal argument that it would have a big impact. And quite often, even though we have you know a very soft border between England and Scotland, we do have different legislation on certain things, um, and that's not really been a problem in the past, or if it has been, the UK government has worked constructively on this. So I think it has been a real blindsiding in terms of it's, we, we didn't sort of imagine that it would happen because there isn't a strong argument against it. Um, and unfortunately for us, the way that they have gone about blocking it is with a piece of legislation that's never been used before. It was something that was introduced when Scotland uh, like gained its devolved power in, in 1999. 
but hasn't been used. So there's no legal precedent. So we kind of have no idea how it's going to pan out. So even though part of the argument feels very clear, we know that it's it doesn't have the effects that they're going to say it will. And the document that the government's produced of that sort of their statement of reasons is very pathetic and is self-contradictory and it doesn't make sense to anyone who knows what they're talking about. Um, it's still in a very muddy legal grounds. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to say what the outcome will be. What's the level of community support in Scotland to fight the Westminster on this? Generally, most people either don't know or don't really care about what's going on with trans people. And that's sort of one of the arguments we've had about this bill is like, look, if it passes in five years' time, you won't notice um, because it's a very minor thing that's been trumped up into a, a huge a huge change. But I think now that the people who have otherwise not really been bothered about the law, now that it has become quite a, a big independence issue for Scotland, we are seeing a lot more support from people who are like, not, not really bothered either way about this, but the UK government cannot tell us what to do. Um, and especially as uh, last year, it was judged in our Supreme Courts that we couldn't hold another independence referendum. I think Scotland had one in, I think it was 2014, it might have been later. Um, they said that we couldn't hold another one because we kind of already had our referendum. And so Scottish people, many Scottish people already feel like, well, we don't have an option to leave the UK. And now they're deciding what laws we cannot, cannot pass. So for people who have who are already leaning towards independence, it's it's quite ignited that in a big way. And I think polls are showing that we now have the second biggest support for independence that we've ever had in Scotland. Um, so that element has definitely come to it, come into it, as, along with the the trans rights LGBT community element as well. Nicola Sturgeon, our, our first minister, is is very much a, a sort of trans rights champion and have been for a long time. Um, and so we've known it's it's meant a lot that even though there has been a lot of media and political backlash against this um, bill, and many people have supposedly sort of stepped away from the, the Scottish independence movement because of their feelings about trans people. So I think the fact that they have pushed on and carried on with this bill and are going to fight it in courts does mean a lot, again, because it would have been fairly easy for any political party in this situation to just be like, these small number of people are not worth it. <laughs> um, so, so it is. It is good that uh, we are getting this support and that they are taking this as far as they possibly can. Um, because unfortunately, if they don't pass this uh, law, then um, unless there is a serious change in the UK government, it's very unlikely that we would get this kind of reform anytime soon. Um, the UK government said they were going to make do this kind of reform several years ago, and then in the past couple of years, they've completely changed their mind and very much dropped that. Um, and so unless we have a different government take control the next time there's general election, who knows where that could be, um, uh, it's it's unlikely that we will see these changes. Were you surprised when, in the UK more broadly, the Labour Party mm -hmm. didn't really say anything? I, I know Keir Starmer, the leader of the of the UK Labour Party, has, has very mixed feelings, it would seem, on trans politics and LGBT politics, he seems to some days be very supportive and then others be saying that, you know, 16-year-old uh, trans people couldn't possibly know their own minds and they need parental permission to transition. So I'm not I'm not super surprised that um, he was not as supportive and also I, I don't believe that he is supportive of Scottish independence, so that is another factor that comes into it. Um, but I, it is very disappointing. 
Speaking from Edinburgh, that's Florence Olds, the Trans Policy and Public Affairs Officer from Equality Network Scotland, with us on Joy 94.9. A political fight is a brewing. Um, it's a shame, I think, that uh, trans people are in the middle of this, especially as it's, as Florence was saying, it's really an administrative bill. It's something that tidies up the process and, you know, it's not... I don't know, it's not a sexy bill. It's not something you would normally, the politicians would be getting in a lather over. But well, mention the word trans and that all changes. I mean, there's a lot of political instability in the UK. Mm. And I mean, when they were talking about Keir not really supporting anything or not knowing, I think it's just not, it decided not to support anything or really because he, he really wants to win the next election and yeah. be popular. So this is the opposition so leader I we're think talking. That, yes, mm. the opposition leader, the Labour um, opposition leader. So I think it's about choosing what is going to make him popular and that's probably among certain strata of the society, probably not something you said, it's not sexy, but it's also not popular with some people. I mean, you know, if you look at the tabloids in the UK, I mean, the majority of the front pages, they're outraged about, over these things. But therefore, uh, that, flip that around. Mm. Why? Why has uh, Why has Scotland chosen this as their their, their thing to battle on? I um, I wonder how much popular support there is in Scotland, or is this is this just all about Scottish independence and any fight's a fight? Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I would agree that any fight is a fight and anything that is against the UK and raise the, the profile of Scotland is a good thing. Mm. Mm. It certainly had wide, really good support in Scotland. What was it, 89 to 36 or something in the Parliament and across all parties. So it was really broadly supported. They didn't rush it. You know, six years to do yeah. a, a policy change is uh, is not certainly not rushed. Uh, and I think it's a, a it's a quite pointed um, reference there that, you know, England had their chance in that six-year period to raise it but didn't. Well, so they've been too busy doing... Changing prime ministers. Changing prime ministers. <laughs> well, well and that's the, that's the other thing because each one of these, uh, as they've had these prime ministerial battles, trans rights has come up. So each of the prime ministerial, you know, the people who held the, the fort for, you know, whatever length of time they did, have all had a, uh, or have not had a pro-trans view at all. Mm. They've all made this a part of their pitch to be Prime Minister. So it's a really, um, I don't know, there's not lots of positives in it from a from a UK point of view. Maybe the only positive for Scotland is if they want to fight, they're going to get one. Mm. Mm. Lots more coming up as we look explore the uh, trans rights in Scotland. Uh, we're going to hear the very personal side of this battle in Scotland. This is World Wide Wave. Joy.org.au, not just a radio station. Hi, I'm Katie May, proud crossdresser and author of the book Men Can Wear Dresses Too, speaking from London on the World Wide Wave. You're on the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time, World Wide Wave. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash World Wide Wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. 
Now, Stefan, we've had a message in. Yeah, we've asked you, what were you excited about for Midsummer? What we and we have Jamie from Morven really excited to attend the Pride March this uh, this coming Sunday on the fifth. Hey, Jamie, um, great to hear from you. Yes, and Joy will be there too. So if I you think so. Yeah, can't get there. And a, we will be broadcasting live from the balcony here, Absolutely. so you can still tune in and hear all the all the fun and uh, always a great. I know I'm I'm in the badminton group and they've been practicing their dance. So there's going to oh, be some so dancing you have been practicing street. that too. No, I oh. have not. But there are others who well, are much I'm more talented than I. I'm disappointed to hear, Matt. <laughs> With or without rackets? <laughs> With, oh, I, I don't know. It'll be a surprise, surprise. The world's longest-running radio show dedicated to international LGBTIQ news and current affairs. This is World Wide Wave from Australia's rainbow radio station, Joy 94.9. Scotland is fighting with Britain over their right to bring in new gender recognition laws. The law is largely about paperwork, but it is is intensely personal. It allows someone to change their official papers, such as their birth certificate or marriage certificates, to match their gender identity. In turn, it makes it easier to deal with government departments and institutions. It would prevent unsupportive parents from misgendering a death certificate, for example. And yet it is trapped in a much bigger fight over Scottish rights. The law impacts individuals, meaning there are many personal stories being shared. We asked Florence Olds from the Equality Network Scotland to tell us more about their personal experiences. So I lived in England for most of my life and then have lived in Scotland for about the past four years. Um, And I think my, although much of that has been generally in my own flat because of COVID, um, I think in in my opinion and in sort of the general consensus among communities, Scotland is a better place to be. For trans people, I think in part because we have a government that is seems to care more about our rights and our well-being. Um, but also, I think just just to generally, people seem to have better experiences out about. There seems to be better acceptance. But of course, as with anywhere, there is still um, transphobia, both institutional and interpersonal. And unfortunately, um, transphobic hate crime is on the rise in Scotland. I think it's one of the fastest growing categories of of hate crime based on um, identity, um, and so and unfortunately that does feel like it correlates a lot to this big media political uptick against trans people. Um, there are some positives. So um, obviously one of the biggest difficulties that trans people face in the UK at the minute is lack of access to healthcare. Um, so I've been on waiting lists to try and get access to um, trans healthcare since I think 2018, 2019, and I haven't had so much as a letter or a first chat with a, a doctor. Uh, and of course, I could pay thousands of pounds to be seen privately, but the um, obviously for many trans people who are more likely to be unemployed um, and more likely to be to be homeless, um, this is just not an option. Um, and so that that is one of the largest uh, issues we face as a community, and, and that ties into the problems our healthcare services having at the minute. So fortunately, our the Scottish government, um, I think, I believe it was last year or the year before last, committed nine million pounds to a big review of how trans healthcare works in Scotland. And um, some people within the organisation I work at are very heavily involved in that, and it looks like it will be really effective. But again, it's just the thing of these large systemic changes take several years to come into effect. And um, for trans people who can often, often um, be uh, that this, this healthcare is, is life-saving, it's essential. 
And some people obviously, unfortunately, cannot wait years for either an appointment or for the system to improve itself. Um, and so there are there's massive tolls on our on our mental health as a community um, because of that. So while I think socially and legally uh, things are getting better, we still have these massive issues, unfortunately. What are the policies that you would like to see implemented next? Um, so a big one that is actually coming up is that we are hoping to uh, introduce a comprehensive ban on conversion practices, also known as conversion therapy. Um, it's something that in the UK is mostly illegal, um, but is it still happens. And so myself and other people within my organisation have been working with a group, uh, uh, an expert advisory group to advise the Scottish government on how to best implement this ban. And so we're hoping by the end of this year, they will introduce a bill that will hopefully pass that will not only further criminalise um, conversion practices and make it hopefully make it possible that they're, they're not practised anywhere, but also provide support for people who are victims of conversion practices and also um, education for people who might be involved in them who may not realise how harmful they are and, and that they don't work. So again, unfortunately, it's quite a grim topic, but it's a really important change. And I think it's one that would have massive material impact on people's lives here in Scotland. From Equality Network Scotland, that's Florence Olds with us on Joy 94.9. Uh, such a, um, it seems to be, why is it always with trans issues that everybody has an opinion, even if they have no knowledge on it? Like <laughs> everybody sparks up with some sort of comment or opinion um, and it makes it really hard for those personal stories to get, you know, to be heard. Mm. Mm. Um, there was, um, you know, that there's a group called Four Women Scotland and they've, so this sort of shows the, the amount of division. They've said, um, we have to be really careful about make, making such a radical change in people's status under law. Um, the British Prime Minister, Ricky, uh, Rishi Sunak, says um, it would have a significant adverse effect on UK-wide equality matters. I don't think the UK government's... <laughs> record on equality matters has been fantastic in the past few years. But it's, it's, there are those broad sweeping statements, but there's no example of how it is actually no. going to you know, practically affect that. How is it practically going to change people's status under the law? You know, radical, I mean, yeah, the big words, radicals change in people's status under the law, but how? what, the, what are the practicalities? Well, speaking of details, Stefan, the, um, the Scotland secretary in, the, in Westminster, Alastair Jack, he was asked directly, you know, what is the implication of this law, given that he gets briefings and he's got legal advice, um, and uh, he completely fumbled the response. He said, well, we believe believe you'll see the legal you'll, you'll see the reasons i've made it very clear this is a reduction in safeguards for women and children and you'll have plenty of time to read about it yeah so this is convincing. the guy that's saying we're, we're stopping this law and he can't even articulate why well that, that, that you know it's the slippery slope argument you know, when you don't have anything to say you just ha go to just save the children and it's a slippery <laughs> slope and then and people just let you off with it because they're just the end of the wedge yeah <laughs> yeah mm. Where have we heard that before? Any yes. number of countries. Yeah. Um, look, it is it is a fight. Um, it is interesting that Scotland has uh, staked so much on this, and mm. um, you know, obviously, there has been this ongoing battle for Scottish independence, and this is now all a part of that muddy mess. Yeah, as I think well. that's that's the, that's the thing, and and it, it, yes, and the sad part is that it's the trans Again. people that 
this can make the biggest difference that are uh, uh, held the back. Political football. Exactly. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. This is Georgi Tabagari from Tbilisi Pride on World Wide Wave, Joy 94.9. Express yourself with the Joy Radio training course. Apply now to take part in nine intensive sessions with experienced broadcasters in our incredible new studios at the Victorian Pride Centre. Learn the secrets behind a successful broadcast from industry professionals. Take on the challenge of creating your own radio show and have your voice heard. To register for the Joy Academy waitlist, email courses at joy.org.au. That's courses at joy.org.au. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like Worldwide Wave on Facebook now. A huge thank you to our guest tonight, Florence Olds, the Trans Policy and Public Affairs Officer from Equality Network Scotland. Find out about their good work at equality-network.org. And a big thank you to Shannon for the interview tonight. And thanks, everybody, um, who have left us messages from Facebook, Lana, Mel, Thomas, Brett, and a heap more. Uh, and on Facebook, that's W3Joy. And behind the scene, thank you to our podcaster, Peter, and our social media master, Dean. Catch you next week on World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe, one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.